0: hallelujah. You're welcome tonight to ATC 107. Tonight we are examining the topic eternity, eternal life, death and judgment. Eternity, eternal life, death and judgment. Just as a way of reviewing, we've gone through six classes Several weeks ago, we started with ATC 101, where we re-examined the issue of our salvation. We saw God's original intention for man. How God created man in his own image after his likeness. And God made man to have authority and dominion over the works of his hands on earth. And we saw how man failed God in that man committed a sin against God. And he lost his dominion, he lost his authority, and he was on his way to hell. But God sent his son, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and die for our sins. And he redeemed us from the consequences of our sins. And we saw in that class that salvation is now available to anybody who believes. Amen. And through repentance and confession of your sins, and forsaking of your sins, you become saved. In the second class, it is in 102, we re-examine the issue of the new birth. Or, what does it mean to be born again? We explained to us in that class that we were born again by a supernatural act of God. Because it is a miracle that somebody becomes a saint who was a sinner before. If you know what your past life used to be like, and now that you are saved, you know it's a miracle that you are really saved amen and we're able to show us that we're saved by the word of god and by the spirit of god it took a combination of the word of god and the spirit of god working together to give birth to us and we emphasize in that last the bible says in second corinthians five seventeen that if any man be in christ he is a new creation all things are passed away and all things have become new and we said that in that class you need to walk in the consciousness of your new creation you are a new creation in Christ. Amen. You are a new creation. You are a new species of being that never existed before. You have no past. You only have a future. Let me say that again. You have no past. You only have a future in God. Amen. Heaven begins to reckon with you the day you gave your life to Jesus. All your sins prior to then is under the blood. It will not be required of you since you repented. Amen. And in the following class, it is in 103, we examine the issue of our mission and our driving force. We're able to show that we are a church on a mission. You got saved because God has a mission for your life. And we have the person, the power, and the, uh, and the presence of the Holy Ghost is our driving force. When you are going on a mission... You need something to back you up when you go on the mission. It's the Holy Ghost that empowers us to do what we're supposed to do. You need the Holy Ghost to live a Christian life. The reason why people backslide is because their life lacks power. You need power to move on in the things of God. You need the Holy Ghost to empower you. We could see in that class that even the Lord Jesus Christ, depended on the Holy Spirit to do his work here when he was on the surface of the earth, therefore every christian needs the person the power and the presence of the holy ghost to move us forward in our walk with god amen and we're also able to see the mission of the church basically our mission is evangelism to win the lost and when we win the lost to create an atmosphere of fellowship in the congregation And when we create an atmosphere of fellowship to disciple people so that they can become committed members. And when people become committed members, then we give them the opportunity to take part in ministry. Amen. And we were able to see in that class that we believe that every man, every woman is a minister. You are a minister. Amen. God has called you, God called you for a purpose, God saved you for a purpose. And we know that when you allow yourself to go through the discipleship process you are going to discover the purpose of god for your life and you're going to fulfill it can you say amen to that amen hallelujah in atc 104 the fourth class we examine the issue of our structure and our strat- our strategy and our structure in, it is in 103, we also introduced us to Press Chapel Fellowship. How Press Chapel Fellowship was started in 1976 by Pastor Mike Neville. And in ETC 104, we introduced you to Press Chapel, Kansas City here. How Press Chapel, Kansas City was started in 93 when Pastors Kelly and Esther were sent here from their church in California to come and start a church. And we were privileged to have them. They came over and they shared with us how this church started and they shared with us our testimony. It was a wonderful time. And during that class, they also introduced us to the different ministries we have in church. And we want to encourage everyone, please, after you complete, after you complete these classes, please join a ministry. Amen. That is where you will begin to discover God's purpose of your life, and you begin to fulfill it. Hallelujah. And it is in in 105, we examine the issue of serving God in the local assembly with your spiritual gifts. In that class, you were told that you have a gift. Amen. You have talents, you have skills. And God created you so that you can serve him with all the gifts, the skills, and the talents that he's given you. And in that class, we're able to show the different kinds of spiritual gifts we have. And we're encouraged to discover our gift to develop it and serve God in this house, in this church, through our gifts and our calling. Amen. And three weeks ago, we looked at ATC 106. Sorry, that was ATC 106, serving God with our gifts. Prior to that, we looked at the issue of faith and prayer in ATC 105, whereby we're able to show us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because the Bible says that those that must come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. And we're able to show us that faith is simply taking the word of God seriously. And we encourage you to take the word of God seriously. And we ended that last talking about prayer. That prayer is a two-way privileged communication between God and man. Amen. Prayer is a two-way privileged communication between God and man. Amen. And we encourage everyone to a life of prayer. Like one man of God said, every area of your life that you have failed is because you have failed to pray. Amen. Every area of your life that you have failed is because of a prayer, prayer failure. So when you engage in prayers, you will never fail. Amen. And it is the way that you communicate with God. And today, we are moving on to talk about eternity, eternal life, death, and judgment. And we have six objectives that must be accomplished. One, we wanted to appreciate the meaning of eternity, time and purpose for our existence here on earth. We wanted to understand the meaning of eternal life here on earth and in eternity. We wanted to understand the meaning and purpose of death also we want you to appreciate the two basic kinds of judgment that will come after we leave this earth we also wanted to appreciate the common white throne judgment for believers and non-believers and we also wanted to understand that all believers will be judged according to their god-appointed purposes now this class is very important and i want you to be here with your heart amen i believe that this class will turn your life around for good amen i'm sure you've had these times before eternity eternal life death judgment amen we've had those times before but we may not know what it means so we're going to look look at each of those times so let's look at eternity time and purpose what is eternity eternity is a timeless zone eternity is where time does not exist amen eternity is where god lives god lives in the realm of eternity eternity is time without end forever and forever and forever amen you see all created spirits including god god is a spirit jesus told us that god is a spirit all created spirits including angels satan and all the demons they all live in the realm of eternity where time is not a problem. So sometimes when we are in a hurry here on earth, God is not in a hurry because the Bible says that a thousand years to the Lord is like a day. And a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. It doesn't make a difference to him because there's no time where God lives. Amen. So every created human spirit lives in the realm of eternity. but we here on earth we are living in the realm of time so what happened God created time somebody said time is an interruption of eternity for the human spirit I will explain what I mean by that shortly the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning God created the heavens and earth if I can paraphrase that I will say in the beginning of time. So when the Bible says in the beginning, that was when time began. For the purpose of earth, time on earth. That was when time started. But God is in the realm of eternity. So time does not affect God. But we are affected by time because we live in the realm of time. So God created heaven and earth. Now, I said earlier that every spirit created by God lives in the realm of eternity. So this is what happened. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that God created man in his image after his likeness. And remember in the first class, I asked you a question. If God is a spirit, then what kind of man did he create? We all agree that he created a spirit man. Is that okay? And I also said that spirits live in the realm of eternity. All right? Now, let me recap what we spoke about in our class 1. It is 101. We said that in Genesis 1:27, God created man in his image after his likeness. Right? In Genesis 2 7, the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And we were able to show us in that class that what happened was this God created man in his own image, after his likeness, as a spirit. Then God came to the, earth, to the earth and formed our physical body from the earth, from the dust of the earth. And we have our physical body. Then he brought the spirit he created, he took it into the, spirit, into the physical body he formed and they breathed into that body containing the spirit and the soul of man was created. And we're able to show us in that first class that as you are seated right now, you have three parts to yourself. You are essentially a spirit being. You live in a physical body and you have a soul. Amen. Your soul and your spirit when you die leaves your physical body, goes back to God. Is that okay? So that means that the legal authority for you to operate on earth is your physical body. The day you shed this physical body, you no longer have an opportunity to operate on earth. As far as God is concerned, God has given man authority to operate on earth. Is that okay? So, what are we saying? You were created, the real you was created in the realm of eternity as a spirit. You were living with God in the realm of eternity as a spirit. Then, God sent you on an assignment. God sent you to the earth to come and perform an assignment. And therefore, you were transported from the realm of eternity into the realm of time through the process of birth birth is that okay and you are given a specific time interval by which God expects you to be able to accomplish the assignment he gives you and when that time is up you'll be transported back to the realm of eternity amen I will come back to that so time is the interval between two events The class starts by 7. It ends by 8.30. So what's the time? The time is one and a half hours. So that is time. Amen. And you can also speak about a specific time. What is the time now? Maybe it is 7.15. That's a specific time. But basically, time is the interval between two events. Maybe the time you were born. Being born is an event. And maybe the time somebody dies dying is another event so the interval between being born and dying is time so we can say oh that's 75 years Oh, that's 80 years alright so that is time so what is purpose purpose is the reason why a thing exists it is the intent the goal or the aim or the why somebody creates a thing amen i'm holding in my hand right now a microphone what is the aim behind the manufacturing of this object to amplify my voice so that i don't have to shout all right so this has a purpose and we used to say that when purpose is not known abuse is inevitable Assuming somebody takes this microphone and you take it to maybe a village in Far East Asia where they are 200 years behind in civilization. They don't have electricity. They don't have anything like that. They still wear leaves. They don't have clothes. And you travel to that village and if you give the king of that village this microphone as a present, the chances are they may turn this microphone into a drumstick because they don't know the purpose of this of this microphone does that make sense to you the same way when you don't know the purpose of your life you will misuse your life you will abuse yourself you will abuse your purpose you will abuse your life so we say that when purpose is not known abuse is inevitable does that make sense to you so purpose is a reason. So what is the purpose of the existence of man? The purpose for your existence is the original intention or the intent that God has for you when he created you. God has a particular specific reason why he created you. You will come to realize as you walk with God that God does not do anything without a purpose in mind. God is a purposeful God. He does things purposefully. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, reading from verse 1, it says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. A time to to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to rebuild. A time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Amen. And the Bible says in the next verse, it says God has put eternity in the heart of man. God has put eternity in the time in the in the heart of man. That means whether you're a believer or a non-believer, there's something in your mind that 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 wonders about what happens when you die. It doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not. Some people might, they might be in denial. And they may not want to face the fact. They may believe that maybe when you die, everything is gone. Everything ends. But somewhere deep down in in people's hearts, they are really afraid of what will happen after they die. Because they don't know. Amen. But when you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the privilege of knowing what will happen to you after you die. Hallelujah. So we can see purpose. So what is the purpose of physical birth and physical death? Like I was saying earlier, that God lives in the realm of eternity and spirits lives in the realm of eternity. So when you were created by God in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, you were created as a spirit being and you were living, residing in the realm of eternity. Then God looks at you, God looked at you and God decided to send you on a mission to the planet Earth. And therefore, God caused you to be brought from the realm of eternity into the realm of time through the process of birth. So when you were given birth to, your spirit man was put in a body that was formed in your mother's womb. Is that okay? When a man and a woman meet together and they are connected and the embryo is formed, immediately that that physical body that egg, uh, the sperm fertilizes the egg, God injects a spirit man, somebody's spirit into that embryo. That's the reason why abortion is murder. You are, you are killing a life. The moment that a man meets a woman and sperm fertilizes the egg, God injects a human spirit into that body. And that body begins to grow until the, the, the child is born nine months thereafter. Amen. But that spirit carries the spiritual code of your purpose in God and until you give your life to Jesus Christ you will not begin to discover that purpose amen so anybody living a life without Christ is living a purposeless life as far as God is concerned because until you come to Jesus Christ you cannot truly you cannot dis- discover your true purpose in life amen you might discover that maybe you have some skills or or some talents maybe somebody is a basketballer and that person is making five million dollars a year that is not their purpose for existing that's just a sport (laughs) that's just a, a way of making money amen but there is a purpose why God created you and you need to discover the purpose why your creator created you amen until you discover that you are living a purposeless life so that means that death is a vehicle by which you are transported back to the realm of eternity through the process of birth you are transported from eternity to the realm of time and when your time on earth is up you'll be transported back to the realm of eternity through the process of death does that make sense to you Does that make sense to you? You see, at the end of this class, how many people here are afraid of death? You're afraid of death. Yeah? How many people here are afraid of death? Be be truthful, be sincere. Okay, how many people are not afraid of death? Okay, good. In case you're afraid of death, but you didn't raise your hand, you should not be afraid of death after this class. Because God created death for a purpose. Amen. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that. So the next question is, what is eternal life? That word eternal life was taken from a Greek word that means zoe. I mean, that is zoe. Zoe means the God quality of life. Zoe means the God kind of life. So when we talk about eternal life, we are talking about the God quality of life. What does that mean? Let me help you understanding. Do you know that fish has life? There's life in the fish. Is that correct? How many people would like to be a fish? <laughs> okay. Okay. How many people know that there is life in a rat? When it's alive. Alright. So a rat has life. How many people would like to be changed into a rat? Okay. Let's come higher a little bit. How many people... Do you have cats in your house? Alright. Do you know that a cat that is alive has life? Okay. Okay. Would you like to be transformed back into the life of a cat? No? Okay, let's come a bit higher. What about a dog? Would you like to be made a dog? No. Now, that shows you that all those animals I mentioned, they have life. But the quality of life they have is different from the quality of life a human being has. Does that make sense to you? The quality of life that a cat has is higher than the quality of life that a rat has. And probably, the quality of life that a dog has is higher than the quality of life that a cat has. But whatever the animal that we we can mention, the quality of life that a man has is higher than any kind of living organism. Amen. So you can see the different quality of life. Now, when we now talk about the God quality of life, it's even far, far higher than the human quality of life. Does that make sense to you? So when we talk about eternal life, we are talking about the God kind of life. And we are saying that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ brings into your life the God kind of life. Does that make sense to you? It's going to make sense as we go along. You see, many people have this misconception that you will have eternal life when you get to heaven. That's not true. Don't wait till you get to heaven to start enjoying eternal life eternal life starts when you give your life to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? You start enjoying the benefits of eternal life the day you gave your life to Jesus. How many people felt radically changed the day they gave their life to Jesus? You felt a burden left you. What happened was that the God quality of life was impacted into your spirit man. And the quality of life you have was elevated. Does that make sense to you? Now, let's go into the scriptures to explain, I mean, to see what I'm talking about. The Bible says in John chapter 3, this is Jesus himself speaking, verse 15 to 16, I'm using the New Living Translation. So that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So when you give your life to Jesus, you have eternal life. In verse 36 of the same chapter, Jesus said, The father loves his son and He has given him authority over everything. And all who believe in God's son have eternal life. Those who don't obey the son will never experience eternal life. But the wrath of God remains upon them. Listen to the next one. John 5, 24. I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe in God will send me have eternal life. Can you see that? When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it means you have eternal life. Amen. John 6, 47-48. He said, I assure you, anyone who believes in me already has eternal life. Can you see that? Jesus didn't say that when you believe in me, I will give you eternal life when you get to heaven. He said, the day you believe in me, you already have eternal life. Are you feeling with me tonight? Amen. So that means the day you gave your life to Jesus, eternal life came back into your body. Eternal life came back into your spirit. Now, let me, let, me, let me recap what I shared with us in the first class. Do you remember what I shared with us concerning the principles of creation? Let me, let me recap again. Remember, when God wanted to create plants, what did he do? He spoke to the earth. He said, earth, bring forth trees. Bring forth plants. And what happened? The head brought forth trees. When God wanted to create fishes, what did he do? He spoke to the water. He said, water, bring forth fishes. And what happened? Water produced fishes. Is that okay? So, because water produced fish, ever since that day that God created fishes, fishes depend on water to be alive. The day you remove fish from water, what happens to the fish? It dies. Same way, because the earth produced plants, trees. Trees till today, they depend on the earth to survive. The day you separate, you uproot a plant from the earth. What happens to it? It dies. But have you noticed that when you, when you remove a plant, you uproot a plant from the earth. And maybe you leave it for about even four weeks sometimes or more and it dies it dries out have you noticed that sometimes when you take that dying tree when you plant it back into the earth and you put some things, some fertilizer around it have you noticed that it can sprout up it can start living again does that make sense to you? now when God wanted to create man, what did he do? he spoke to himself he said let us make man in our image after our likeness, so what happened? man came out of god so just like fish came out of water plants came out of the earth man came out of god because he created us in his image after his likeness he gave birth to us all right but when adam and eve committed a sin in the garden of eden what happened just like a fish that is separated from water dies just like a plant that is separated from the earth dies man was separated from god therefore man died does that make sense to you now when you came came back to jesus and you gave your life to jesus what happened to you you were replanted back into god and the life of god began to flow into you again does that make sense to you so from the day you gave your life to jesus eternal life started flowing back into you does that make sense to you amen so eternal life please don't rob yourself start enjoying eternal life now you see divine healing is a benefit of eternal life can you imagine God falling sick can you imagine God catching the flu <laughs> so if God does not catch flu you are not supposed to catch the flu so the eternal life inside your spirit man is supposed to be able to overcome infirmities and sicknesses and diseases. Does that make sense to you? Eternal life that is inside of you should be able to deliver you from every addiction to nicotine, to drugs, to alcohol, to anything. Remember before you became saved, you couldn't stop the craving for these things. But when you give your life to Jesus, you receive the strength to stop doing them. When you receive it, you, when you receive that eternal life, you receive the ability to stop doing those things that you did not have power to do. Amen. That is eternal life. So please enjoy your eternal life right now before you get to heaven. Although, as it were right now, because of the limitations of our physical body, we cannot enjoy the fullness of eternal life. But when you die or when Jesus comes in the rapture and we get to the realm of eternity, then you can enjoy the fullness of eternal life. But right now, the little you can get, which is a lot, please grab it. Divine health, divine life, success in life. Amen. Making it in life. Fulfilling your purpose in God. You receive eternal life, which is eternal energy for you to be able to carry out all the things that God has called you to do. Amen. So, I haven't spoken about eternal life. Let's talk about death. What is death? You see, scripturally speaking, death does not mean a complete annihilation of life or getting out of existence. You know, from the dictionary definition of death, death means you die, you are no more in existence. But from the scripture, that's not the definition of death. From the scripture, death means cessation of a particular kind of life and continuation with another kind of life. What does that mean? Remember, you were a spirit being, living in the realm of eternity. Alright? You were transported through the process of birth into the realm of time. Okay? So you have human life when you're on the earth. The day you die, you'll be transported back into the realm of eternity and you begin to live again as a spirit. Does that make sense to you? But in the realm of eternity, there are two places you can be in the realm of eternity. It's either you can be in the presence of God in the realm of eternity or you can be banished away from the presence of God in the realm of eternity. I will talk about that one later, but let's talk about death. You see, death, physical death here on earth just means the dropping or the shedding of your physical body so that your spirit and your soul can return back to God can return back to the realm of eternity rather you flowing with me you see just like you have a physical body when you die you will put on a spiritual body and we can see that in the book of first corinthians chapter 15 let's read it verse 42 it is the same way for the resurrection of the dead our earthly bodies which die and decay will be different when they are resurrected for they will never die Our bodies now disappoint us but when they are raised, they will be full of glory. They are weak now but when they are raised, they will be full of power. They are natural human bodies right now but when they are raised, they will be spiritual bodies. For just as they are natural bodies, so also there are spiritual bodies. Does that make sense to you? You know, maybe somebody has told you the story of maybe seeing an angel and the angel has a body alright? There is spiritual body. There is physical body. Amen. If I have a spiritual body, this pillar will not be an hindrance for me. I'll be able to pass through the pillar. But my natural body, my physical body cannot allow me to pass through material matter. Is that okay? But if an angel walks through this place, an angel can walk through this wall. A spirit can walk through this world because physical objects is not a barrier when you have spiritual body. Alright? So, death means shedding of our physical body to liberate or to release our spirit, uh, our spirit being. Are you feeling with me? So, there are two kinds of death. We have physical death and spiritual death physical death is when the end of the life of a human being comes. And that person dies physically. Alright? And like I said, it doesn't mean that that person goes out of existence. The spirit of that person is liberated and released into the realm of eternity. Then, there is spiritual death. Spiritual death means when a spirit being is separated or is banished from the presence of God that is spiritual death so when people go to hell we call it spiritual death because the life of God is not able to flow to them they are banished from enjoying eternal life does that make sense to you they are banished from living or enjoying the God kind of life So, the question is this: why should we die? What is the purpose of death? Death is not supposed to be your enemy, death is supposed to be your servant. And if you are a multi-millionaire, or maybe a (laughs) multi-thousandaire, And you have a servant you employ a servant will you be afraid of your servant no because you employ you are paying a salary so why should you be afraid of death death is not supposed to be your enemy death is supposed to be your servant what do we mean by that we have said earlier i've said earlier that you were transported from the realm of eternity into the realm of time by being given birth to, by by the process of birth. Alright? So, death is supposed to be your transportation medium that will transport you back from the realm of time to the realm of eternity. Therefore, death is an appointment. Every one of us, except Jesus comes in the rapture, we have an appointment with death. But death becomes an enemy when death kills a man before they accomplish their God appointed purpose on earth. If God originally planned that a man will come to the earth and spend 80 years doing the will of God on earth. all right, And if death comes when that person is 40 years old and kills them, then death became the enemy of that man because it aborted the purpose of God for that man. Does that make sense to you? But as a Christian, death is not supposed to be able to kill you until you accomplish the purpose why God created you. But an unbeliever does not have a choice. The day that death decides to kill an unbeliever, they have no resistance. You're flowing with me. But if death is knocking on your door, and you know that you know that you know that you have not accomplished your assignment on earth, if you open the door and you say, excuse me, can I help you? That's death knocking on your door. Yes, can I help you? Say, yes. My name is Mr. Death. I came to take you home. You look at your time. Say, no. You can't take me home now. I don't have an appointment with you. My appointment is in the next 50 years to come. So you just bang your door. And death, we have no choice but to go back. Because Jesus said, when he rose up from the dead, from the dead he said, every power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. He said, therefore, go. The reason why he said we should go is because Jesus has conquered death because he resurrected from the dead and he has given us the keys. Does that make sense to you? So you shouldn't be afraid of death when you discover the purpose of God for your life and you are pursuing it. But be afraid of death if you are not pursuing the purpose of God for your life. (laughs) Let me tell you folks, you see many people are buying life insurances What's the purpose of life insurance? To insure them in case of when they die. I want to recommend the life insurance to you. It's called purpose. Your life insurance is purpose as a Christian. Find the purpose of God for your life and start fulfilling it find the will of God for your life and start running after that will of God for your life. Start pursuing the will of God for your life. That is your life insurance. Death cannot kill you when you are on a mission for Jesus. Death cannot take you away when you are pursuing the purpose of God for your life. Amen. Please, buy that life insurance. It's called purpose. It's called destiny. Find your destiny in God and pursue it. Death will not be able to take you home until you accomplish that purpose. Let me show you from scriptures that as a Christian, you have power over death. This is Paul, the apostle, who was talking in the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for for my labors, yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between these two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant. More, more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Now let me explain what Paul is saying here. This is Paul the apostle at the particular time in his life he said he was under he, he has an indecision. He has a desire to die and to go be with Jesus. He said that is far better. He was going through some struggles in his life, in his ministry. And he was having this desire. Maybe I should just die. And he's having another desire. He has some disciples that he's still discipling. Then he was telling his disciples in Philippi, Philippi, he said, I'm in between these two opinions whether to go home to be with the Lord which is far better or to stay with you guys and disciple you the more. He said, but on a second thought, it seems to me that it is beneficial for you, if I stay here with you, than to go home to be with the, with the Lord right now. He said, therefore, I choose to stay for your benefit. Clearly, Apostle Paul demonstrated to you and I, that you and I have a say where death is concerned. Until you accomplish your assignment on earth, Death cannot kill you, but this same Paul in the book of Second Timothy chapter four, at the end of his life, he said these words: He said, "For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished." the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What is Paul saying here? That was when he was about to die. He said, now guys, I have completed the assignment that God gave me. He said, I finished my own race. Let me tell you, folks, God has given you a race to run. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He said, Let us run with patient endurance the race that is set before us. God has set a race before you. Are you going to run your race to complete it? Please, desire to run your race to complete it. Don't stop halfway. Don't allow anything to anything to derail you from the race that God has called you to run. Amen. So I read those scriptures to you to show you that you should not be afraid of death if you are pursuing the purpose of God for your life. I remember a great man of God in my country, Nigeria. He died some years ago. And there's this testimony about him. He preached a sermon... And during that sermon, which was about his last message to his congregation, he was saying to them, he said, when I got saved, everything that God showed me that I should do, I have completed. I think he was 62 or 67 years old at that time. He said, everything that God showed me that I should do, that means the purpose of God for my life, he said, I have done everything. Nothing is left undone. He died two days later. You see, when you have accomplished the purpose why God created you, there's no need you staying around. Just go home to be with the Lord and enjoy the fruit of your labors. Does that make sense to you? There's no need staying around. Finish your walk and go. And go rest. Go be with the Lord. Is that okay? But God has not given us equal assignments some, he has given them an assignment and they can complete it in 32 years. And they die after 32 years. They accomplish their purpose. Jesus was 33 years when he died. He accomplished his purpose within 33 years. So there's no need for him to stay around. Some people, the assignment God has given them, them, it will take them 85 years to accomplish it. Some people, God actually gave them 50 years to accomplish their job. But they didn't start discovering their purpose until they were 35. So God in his mercy gave them 50 more years. So they became 85 before they died. But if they had discovered their purpose earlier, maybe they would have died at 60 or 70. Does that make sense to you? You have a time limit. Stop wasting time. You have wasted enough time. Is that okay? You've wasted enough time. So don't waste time again. Don't Front slide and backslide. Stop backsliding. Keep front sliding. Does that make sense to you? You know, some people, they will say, Well, I've been a Christian for 20 years. And for 10 of those years, they were going in and out of church. You are not safe for 20 years. Maybe you are safe for five years. If you accumulate all the years, you will serve God. Does that make sense to you? Stop front sliding and backsliding. Taking a step forward and taking three steps backwards. You are not making progress. Make up your mind to serve God. That is your life insurance. Serve God and do the will of God for your life. Amen. So death is your friend. Death is your servant. If he comes to take you home at the end of your assignment. Now, having spoken about eternal life, eternity, and death. Let's talk about judgment. The Bible says that it is appointed for man to die once and after this judgment. Let me paint this image in your mind. Time Warner Cable is in New York. Assuming, I don't know where their headquarters is, but let's assume their headquarters is in Rochester, New York. And they employed a regional manager for the Midwest with office location in Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri. But they employed the regional manager in Rochester, New York, gave him a training, and after the training, they sent him out here to Kansas City to come and oversee the regional office in the Midwest, covering the Midwestern states. After five years, they recalled the manager and they told him to come and give an account of what he has done in the five years. Does that make sense to you? So, heaven is the headquarters. You were given an employment in heaven but the place of assignment is the earth. And you're given a time limit within which you are supposed to do that assignment. And when you die, you will go back to the headquarters and you'll be asked, give an account. In a very mild form, that is judgment. So when we talk about judgment, we are talking about the day that you and I will stand before God as individuals. And you will give an account of your life. And God will ask you, what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with the life that I gave you? Are you going to stand before him and I say, well, by your grace and mercy, I live to be 90 years old. And for 89 of those 90 years, I was on drugs, on cocaine, messing around and I only discovered Jesus Christ when I was 89, and I served him for just one year, and there I am. So, if he's going to judge you based on that, you lived to be 90 before you died, but 89 of those years, you didn't serve him, and you serve him for one year, maybe your judgment will be your score is 1 over 90. And they will give you a reward for 1 over 90. But you are excited because you made heaven. It's better to have the lowest place in heaven <laughs> than to have the coolest place in hell. <laughs> now that's not to say that um, if you found God when you are advancing age that you will receive less reward. That's not true. I just use that analogy to describe judgment. Does that make sense? There are people that what they accomplish in 10 years, somebody who have lived 50 years will not accomplish it. So what matters is you finding God and discovering what he wants for your life and just pursue it. Amen. Don't worry about the time you lost. God can redeem, can help you to redeem time. Does that make sense to you? God can help you to redeem time. Amen. So, judgments. Basically, there are two kinds of judgments that we're going to face when we die. There is what we call the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is a judgment that the whole world We stand before God on the day of judgment. Whether you are a believer or unbeliever. Come with me to the book of Revelations. Verse 20. It's in your outline anyway. It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. From those whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And the dead and the Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one according to his works. Let me tell you folks everything you do on earth will be judged. Everything. Except anything that is under the blood. What do I mean by that? Anything that you have genuinely repented of and that you have forsaken will be taken out of your records in heaven. But any unrepented sins is in your book in heaven. You have a file in heaven and every day of your life every curse word that you used is written there. Every wicked act that you performed is written there. Every wicked thought that you gave expression to it's written there. But as you repent, when the Holy Spirit convicts you and you repent, they are erased by the blood of Jesus. Is that okay? And based on what you did with your life, God is going to determine whether you you will be with Him for the rest of eternity or you will be transported to hell i tell you it's going to be a very scary day because the bible says that the people who were still living on earth when that day of judgment came they were fleeing away hiding under rocks because god is not going to come as a gentle god he's going to come as a god of judgment One preacher wrote a book many centuries ago some centuries ago that got people saved very quickly. Do you know the title of the book? The title of the book is Sinners in the Hands of a Hungry God. When people read that book it scared hell out of them and scared heaven into them. They came to the altar. God saved. You see Maybe somebody have portrayed to you God is a Father Christmas. He is. And he's is not a Father Christmas as well. God does not mess with sin. God has already judged sin. So forsake sin and love God. Amen. Your works will qualify you whether your name will be written in the book of life. When you give your life to Jesus, automatically, your name is written in the book of life. But by your actions, after you gave your life to Jesus, your name can also be erased from the book of life. The Bible says that the books will be opened. Listen, there are two kinds of books. Let's come back with me to Revelation 20. He said in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Take note of the books that were open. What are the books that were open? Your book, my book, his book, her book. That's what they call books. Is that okay? And they were judged by what is written therein. Then after that, another book was opened. Notice, it didn't say another books. It said another book was opened. And what is that book? said the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works and the Bible says that those whose name are not in the book of life were cast out from the presence of God now the question is this do you think that by what you are doing right now by the way you are living your life is your name still in that book Like Pastor Kelly, we always say, if you die right now, right now, are you sure you make heaven? If you have confessed and forsaken your sins, and you are making your best effort <laughs> to live righteous, then be confident, your name is there. But if you have some secret sins, some unconfessed, unrepented sins. Be afraid because your name may not be there. Does that make sense to you? It's a scary day. It's a scary day. Now, that's the white throne judgment that everybody, everybody, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, will stand before God then after you scale through that judgment and you are now in heaven as a believer because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ then you now face a second judgment it is called the believer's judgment it is called the judgment seat of Christ now the first one you were standing before God himself (laughs) did you believe in Jesus no go to hell there's no talking do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Go to heaven. So God, those that go to hell, they are burning in hell. Then those that are in heaven, they now face Jesus Himself. So what is the believer's judgment? The Bible says in Hebrews. He said, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And each of us will give account of every work he has done in the flesh. What is the believer's judgment? Christ himself is now going to judge you based on the assignment that he gave you. Praise God, you are now in heaven. You will be with God for eternity. But there are rewards in heaven. There are crowns in heaven. You flowing with me? There are crowns in heaven. There are rewards in heaven. Right? So Jesus, the purpose of that judgment is to give rewards. So Jesus will not ask you. No. You see, when you die and you are in heaven, everything will be plain. Some people used to say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God a lot of questions. Let me tell you, when you get to heaven, you won't need to ask God any question because you will just know. You will eat. everything will be plain. Somebody had a vision of heaven. He was taken to the, to the palace of God in heaven. He said he discovered, that you know, when I'm thinking something in my mind, nobody knows. He said, but in heaven, your thoughts are like when you are speaking loud in heaven, your thoughts are loud. So when you think a thought, heaven hear it loud. That's the reason why Jesus said when a man looks at a woman lustfully in his heart, as far as heaven is concerned, he has committed adultery because your thoughts in the realm of the spirit are very loud. God hears you and the devil hears you. Does that make sense? So the believer's judgment jesus will tell you will show you you will know this is what you are supposed to accomplish of the assignment i've given you to what extent did you accomplish it maybe some somebody did well like that man of god he said everything god showed him he did 100 percent. okay with your 100 it will judge you again did you do it with the right motive because sometimes you do what God has called you to do but you are doing it for the wrong reasons why am I here teaching you guys maybe the reason why I'm here teaching you is because I just want to show you guys that I'm a Bible scholar if that's the reason why I'm teaching you there's no reward for this activity but if the reason why I'm teaching you is because God has given me the grace to teach And I'm teaching you guys because I love God and because He told me to do it, then there's a reward for it. So, the motivation of your heart, the reason, the real reason behind what you are doing, Jesus will judge. And He will score you based on that. So, that's the reason why you need to purify your motive. It's okay sometimes to come to church for the wrong reasons. It's okay sometimes to get ministry for the wrong reasons. But please, don't remain there for the wrong reasons. Purify your thoughts. The Bible says that let the wicked man forsake his thoughts. Who is a wicked man? Anybody who thinks wicked thoughts is a wicked man from scripture. Even if you are a believer. Amen. When you have this thought, when you are angry, I want to kill somebody. When you, at that moment, you are a wicked man. <laughs> forsake your thoughts. Forsake your ways. And God will bless you. Yes, we all make heaven if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we stay with him till we die. But the rewards ain't gonna be the same. There are some people one man of God had a vision some years ago and he wrote it in a book. He said there are some people in heaven that are very close to Jesus and there are some people they are very far away from Jesus. Still, they are still in heaven and they are still glad they made it. I tell you, if you make heaven, be glad. Is that okay? But in heaven, there will be some people who will be close to Jesus be some people that will be far away from Jesus. And that vision of heaven that God showed that man, he saw that some great men of God are so far away from Jesus. Why? Because when they got into ministry and the fame got into their head, some of them stole the glory of God. Were they supposed to give God the glory? They took the glory. They did some things wrong. Though before they died, they repented of all those sins and they made the heaven, but their reward They were not too close to Jesus. So, how far will you be to Jesus if you make heaven? Like my pastor used to say, he would say, I want to make heaven in style. Let me show you in scripture somebody who made heaven in style. His name is called Stephen, he was the first martyr in the hearts of apostles. The Bible tells us that Jesus is seated on the right-hand side of God. But when Stephen died, when he was dying, Stephen said, I saw heaven open and I saw the Son of Man standing. That means when that guy was being transported from the realm of time into the realm of eternity, Jesus stood up from his throne to welcome him home. will your entering heaven? make Jesus to stand up to welcome you? You only stand up to welcome somebody you respect. Is that correct? (laughs) Jesus will respect you. He will say, welcome, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So, is your life counting for the kingdom? Is your life counting for the kingdom? Never mind if you have lost many years already. Don't worry about it. Now, start living life in Christ. Start running the race. Let me close with Hebrews chapter 12. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. verse 1 therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and are sat down at the right hand of the throne of God he says there are a cloud of witnesses in heaven that means the saints who have gone to be with the Lord who are in heaven right now they are looking down on earth they are observing the way you are running your race they observing the way i'm running my race and they are sharing you home don't give up though you found jesus late late in life don't give up you can still make it you can still have some crowns you can still have some rewards in heaven don't give up you you found jesus as a teenager don't give up go for gold go for gold you know when when during the olympics and the athletes are running maybe 1,500 meters. They are going four laps. Or maybe it's a decathlon. They are going 10,000 meters. And maybe as they were coming towards the home stretch and they are tired and the crowd began, begins to cheer them, cheer them on, sometimes the cheering of the crowd energizes the athlete and they now finish strong. So, heaven is cheering you on. The people that have gone ahead in heaven, they are cheering you and I on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're almost there. You're almost there. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. up. And some people, they serve God all their life. And just at the end of their life, they, they gave up. They gave up. Wow serve God for 40 years, then the last few years of your life, you you didn't live right. Wow. Please don't do that. It's better for you to have wasted the earlier part of your life and finished in God than to use the the earlier part of your life serving God and end up not serving God. It's a waste. Does that make sense to you? He said, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. He mentioned two things, weight and sin. What is a weight? A weight is anything that slows you down in the progress of purpose. It may not necessarily be a sin, but it's just a weight can you imagine maybe seven of us are here and want to run 100 yard race right and everybody are in their shorts in their t-shirt in their spike shoes ready to go and one of them carries a pulpit will they run as fast as the others no this becomes a weight. So there are some things in your life that are necessarily not sins, but they are a weight. They will slow you down in your run for purpose. Friends and family can be a weight. Relationships can be a weight. Your job can be a weight. When you don't give it the right priority maybe if you are a student like me your schooling can be a weight if you don't place God in the right perspective your children can be a weight some people before they got married they were coming to church seven days of the week now they are married they have four children If you ask them why are you not in church oh, my children, I couldn't get them ready in time. One was sleeping. I didn't want to wake him up, so I didn't come. They are children. God's blessing became a weight. And one thing about weight is that when it weighs you down long enough, it becomes a sin. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, when a man knows what is right and does not do it, it becomes a sin. So that is weight then it a sin. We all know what sin is. Anything that is not right is sin. So there are some people, something that's a weight will slow them down. A weight will slow you down, but sin, sin will stop you. Let me repeat that. Weight will slow you down. Sin will stop you from running the race that is set before you. Does that make sense to you? so the Bible is encouraging you put aside the weights, forsake the sin so that you can run with patience and endurance the race that has been set before you looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was put before him endured the cross what does that mean? You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was shown a vision of the pain he was to go through to redeem you and I, (laughs) he said, Father, is there any other way? This is going to be painful. Is there another way? And the father said, there's no other way. then the father showed him Jesus if you go through this Emmanuel will be saved she will be saved he will be saved she will be saved he will be saved in a moment of time God placed before Jesus the result of his going through the cross which is salvation of humanity and because Jesus loves you and I so much for the joy that was placed before him which is you and I coming into the kingdom, he endured the cross so the secret to running the race is to place Jesus before you let Jesus be your focus I want to please the master how, how can a man love me so much that he died for me he went to hell for me so that I don't have to go to hell Therefore, I want to please him. Therefore, I will run my race looking at Jesus. I don't care the side comments. I don't care the side comments. You know, when an athlete that the crowd does not like, if he or she listens to the comments from the crowd, it will stop that person from, 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 their, from their spots. As a Christian, you cannot afford to allow public opinion to stop you from running the race that is set before you. I don't care what my friends are saying. I'm running the race. I don't care what my family are saying. I'm running after Jesus. I'm running after purpose. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow any weight, even leg- legitimate things of life, to stop me from the race that is set before me. I'm running this race. I'm, I've placed a lot before me. And my height is set like a flint. Do you notice that people in the Olympics, when they run, And the referee say, on your marks, get ready. You will not find any of them looking down. You won't find any of them looking down. They will be looking straight. What are they looking at? They are looking at the finishing line. And it's on record that when somebody is running and they look back, they lose speed don't look back. You will lose speed. You will lose momentum. Just focus on the finish line. Focus on the crown. Focus on the reward. Focus on the fact that you will get to heaven. And all the pains you are experiencing right now will be no more. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you blessed tonight? Are you ready to stand before the, the king of kings? Are you ready? Amen. Do you have any questions for me before we close tonight? Any questions? Amen. Let's rise up on our feet tonight. I'm standing here tonight as a marketer. I'm marketing a life insurance premium called Purpose and I want to buy it. I'm marketing a life insurance product called Destiny. I want to buy it. It is your life insurance against death and it is your assurance that when you die and you stand before God you will not be ashamed. I want to begin to talk to the Lord tonight. Close your eyes and begin to talk to the Lord. And ask the Lord to help you. So that you run your race. The way that will please the master. Paul was saying in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. he says that an athlete does not win gold unless he run according to the rule of the game if you don't run according to the rule of the game, you will be disqualified. You don't want to get to heaven to discover that you have, you, though you have run the race, but you have been disqualified a long time ago before you finished the race. Because you did not run according to the rules. I want to begin to pray for yourself. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Let me not be ashamed when I stand before you on the day of judgment. Lord, let my, my name not be bear- Erased from the book of life. Lord, let my name be found in the book of life. Lord, help me that I'll be able to discover my purpose in life and I'll be able to fulfill it. I'll be able to run and I'll be able to fulfill it. Begin to pray for ourselves right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for tonight, God. We thank for your word that came, O oh God. Lord, we pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you grant us the grace, of oh God. To be able to run this race with patient endurance laying aside every weight and every sin that easily ensnares us that we may run with patient endurance a race that is set before us lord we pray in the name of jesus that none of us here tonight will be ashamed When we stand before you on the day of judgment in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that our name will be engraved in the book of life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that none of us will have their names erased even from the book of life in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that none of us in this place, oh God, even we lose their soul in hell in the name of Jesus. I pray for the God that we shall endure even to the hand in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, open our eyes of understanding, O God, that we may know the purpose for which you called us, O God, that we may know the purpose for our existence, O God, that we may know our destiny and our purpose in life, that we may pursue it with everything in us in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, we bless you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.